Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Happy Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Fighter's Fury. Tobin here with you. Flying solo today. Seaman Tommy Guns out this week. We will reconvene at another time with those two. So we got a lot to get into all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. I, I wanted to start here. Um, we did lose a couple of people in the boxing world this past week. One of them with a local tie. Uh, Freddy Pacheco, you know, Muhammad Ali's famed doctor. He passed away this week at 89. Miami native, graduated from the University of Florida, got his medical degree at the University of Miami. Had a practice down here in Overtown for many years before it burned down, but was, uh, you know, joined up with uh, with Angelo Dundee at the Fifth Street Gym in Ali's camp for a lot of his career. Um, you probably see him in basically every Muhammad Ali documentary. You know, does a lot of did a lot of retrospectives on him. And so if you watched any, you know, Muhammad Ali uh, documentary, you've probably seen Checo in uh, in those uh, in those documentaries. You know, is always just very insightful, has amazing stories about it. Had the, uh, you know, the, the famous quote that goes with uh, Ali that Cassius Clay was born in Louisville, but Muhammad Ali was born in Miami. And so I just encourage you guys anytime if you guys there's actually one that's, I think, available on CBS uh, and I've mentioned or on PB, from PBS that I've mentioned before. Um, you could see the whole thing. And I remember when when Ali passed away, you just got I just went into a, a, an Ali deep dive on like every documentary that could be made. There's a great one, which is uh, Muhammad Ali made in Miami uh, PBS documentary. And, and Freddie Pacheco is is uh, prevalent in that documentary. So you guys should check that out. I recommend that was known being a main cog in that in that camp, but also, you know, gave Ali the advice to to stop fighting after the Ernie Shavers fight and just, you know, just thought that he had taken too much. And Ali went to fight on a handful of more times, didn't have a lot of success. Um, there's a, there's another 30 for 30 actually, where it's, uh, it's him getting ready for the Larry Holmes fight. And you can just see, you know, Ali's, uh, in a different camp and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's pretty sad to watch where you see that side of the career, uh, from Ali, but, uh, but wanted to, uh, to, to, to pay our respects to his family, rest in peace to, to Freddy Pacheco for, uh, a great life in boxing. And and I recommend you guys, you know, going back if you want to see uh, any any Ali documentary. He's he's pretty prevalent, and you guys can see uh, all his ties and just gives great stories and insight into Ali. And um, also, veteran cutman uh, Rafael Garcia passed away this week, eighty eight. He was recently diagnosed with leukemia, and he was just inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame. For those who don't know, you probably will see him in any Floyd Mayweather camp. Um, he was the cut man who had the the hat with all the pins on it. 
And that guy was responsible for protecting the most expensive hands in the sport for a long time. I mean, you know, Floyd's hand problems are, are well documented and, um, you know, Rafael was, uh, was, was responsible for keeping those, those, uh, those puppies safe for their ability to produce all the money that they did. And so it's great that he got the honor that he did. Um, but sad that we lost these two guys who were, you know, not the guys in the ring themselves, but, but certainly helped the guys, um, you know, to, to icons, you know, in their preparation to be in the ring or their recovery outside of the ring. So, uh, two, two very, very, uh, two, two, two big names in the sport and two sad losses. So, um, prayers to their family and, and respects to their loss and, and thank you to them for, for everything they did for the sport of boxing. Um, so we'll seamlessly shift over. Um, we just wanted to mention those things. And, uh, there's a great obituary on, uh, Freddie Pacheco in the, uh, Miami Herald, uh, as they did a great, great job on one of the, one of the locals, uh, recommend you guys checking that out as well. So, uh, we had last night, we had UFC Sydney fight night, Fabricio Verdum back in the octagon as he was taking on Marcin Tabera. They went to a decision. Every card on the, on every fight on the main card went to decision. It was crazy because we thought we were probably in for one of those wild nights because there were a lot of wicked finishes and crazy fights on the prelims. Like it started out, you had, uh, you know, Camacho versus Brown. It was like, these guys were blasting each other in the face. That last round where they're just slugging it out, and so like, whoa, we're gonna be in for one of these these crazy nights. And then I think they said the stat was it was the longest UFC card uh, on record time wise. Just every one of them going the distance. Um, it was wild, man. It was it was crazy that we went from such extremes to where we ended up. Uh, didn't mean the fights were bad. There were there was there was plenty entertaining. And so, Fabricio Verdum took took a took a lot of head kicks. He was uh, he was walking through a lot of stuff, and um, it was one of those things where maybe like Tybura was. I don't know if he knew to make that that next move, uh, but Verdum gets another win, and so I think this will inevitably put him back in talks to be, you know, in the title picture. But I do think that. Stipe's next matchup is probably going to be it's probably going to be whoever wins between Overeem and Nganu in a few weeks. That's going to be at UFC 218. That's a fight I can't wait for. A couple things with that is that, you know, with Overeem, even though he also has a loss to Stipe, you know, if you get the win over the young gun, I think that'll give it a little bit of a uh, little bit of an opportunity for people to forget. I mean, it was over a year ago at that point. So you could I make the argument, I think with Fabricio, you know, he's been on that top so long. And this is the one thing that's tough with the heavyweight division is, you know, you have all these, these old guards who have just been there forever. And, you know, that, that title picture is getting a little bit bland. It's like you look at that and you say, well, who's the guy you're really excited to see Steve Miocic again against? And I think everybody looks at it and they say, you probably want to see him against Francis Ngannou. I mean, the top five right now is Overeem, Verdum, Cain Velasquez is obviously like the lost unicorn that you'd love to see, but you never know when he's going to be healthy. So I don't know if you can really count on that. You know, Derek Lewis has been up and down. He's got the big health problems. You'd love to see Derek Lewis in the title picture just because, you know, not only is he entertaining, he can stop fights with one shot, but, um, I mean, 
has one of the most hilarious uh, social media accounts on Instagram. Um, great on the mic. So you'd love to see Derek Lewis atop in that picture. But it's tough with him because you never know with that back. First of all, it cost him his last fight. He wasn't able to go out there. Um, and Verdum had to had to take on I think, Walt Harris last minute. And that was a problem in his last bout, too, when he, when he was hinting towards retirement. So, you know, you look at that top that top six, and you're like, ah, you know, a ton of guys who have been there forever. Francis is obviously the new name. Alexander Volkov is just kind of getting that shine, uh, you know, beat Stefan Struve in his last matchup, so maybe he'll take that jump, um, but still is pretty new in the picture. I think Francis Ngannou has gotten a lot of backing with the UFC. He's He's almost like... He's almost like UFC Drago, where he's been at the UFC facility, like he's training there, and you know Dana White's like drooling whenever they talk about Francis Ngannou. So he's got this big showing coming up, and if he has a big win over Alistair Overeem, who's currently, I guess, ranked as as number one, if Ngannou goes out and he wins, I think for sure he's going to end up getting the title shot. If he doesn't, if he doesn't, and it ends up being Overeem with the win. If Overeem can be sensational, I think you certainly got to say, all right, Overeem beat top four. Um, where else do you go from there at that point? And for Verdum, his last two wins are coming up against guys who, you know, he's getting wins, but it's not like you're looking at it and saying, all right, you beat Walt Harris and Marcin Tabara. Is that the is that the path to the title? Um so that's tough. I think I think that's a tough argument as far as Verdum's standpoint. I'll tell you what, though. He had a hell of a week with with uh, what went down in Australia and, and, uh, and hitting Colby Covington with a boomerang. That's a f- – like, obviously don't hit anybody with a boomerang, but if you do call an entire country filthy animals, if you're Colby Covington, you should probably expect some repercussions. And getting hit with a boomerang is just a funny visual. I mean, it's it, I, I, don't do that. It's not it's not okay to hit people outside the octagon when you're not contractually uh, agreed upon to fight. And this has kind of been a thing with Verdum now. He's gotten into it with uh, with with Tony Ferguson and Colby Covington. He's got a thing with with picking on guys who are three weight classes below him. But just the visual of hitting somebody with a boomerang is funny. I just I, I, it's for some reason I have Looney Tunes stuck in my head. That that was going down, but apparently Covington is uh, some charges got pressed against for Doom, so he's not gonna he's not gonna skate on this, just hitting a dude with a boomerang. But he, I almost want to see what the visual because I never saw the video of this. Like, did he hit him with a boomerang? Like, throw it? Because if he if he hit him with the boomerang, throwing it wise, I think that should just be given props for the idea that because you can't imagine for Doom's used a boomerang very much. That's 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 heavy into some serious training because I don't understand how the boomerang works. You know, it's supposed to go and it's supposed to hit your target and fly back to you. It didn't ever make sense to me. Like, did you ever as a kid have the crappy plastic boomerang? My daughter just got this home. She went to uh, to Joey's Outback for a, for a birthday party pretty recently and got her a plastic boomerang. The thing sucked. It, it flew like two feet. It didn't fly back to you. So imagine the old school wood boomerang that you'd have to use an actual battle when you had your, your uh, I don't know if they had the singing dog. Like, whenever I go to the Palm Beach Zoo and they have the Australian exhibit, which kind of sucks because the koala's always sleeping and the singing dogs, they I wish they would kind of doll up their cage a little bit better. But imagine you have your singing dog. Maybe that would go out and, and go and 
find your game if they were domesticated. And the boomerang was used, you know, in weaponry. I mean, how do they figure that out? And do you have to craft the right boomerang to have the right weight to it? I have so many questions regarding this. But I think in this case, he just whacked him with the boomerang. There was no there was no backside to it with Colby Covington. And I know he was like, he was running back and he's like, you know, dropping you know, gay slurs on Fabricio Verdun, which, hey man, um, not looking for mixed martial artists to be the most sensitive with their language. But if you're going to Instagram or Facebook Live, I'm not sure which one it was, probably pretty stupid to be doing that, especially, you know, you got all eyeballs on you now all of a sudden. You're supposed to, you're, you're, you're basically stealing Chael Sonnen's gimmick of pissing off Brazil. And, you know, once the first Brazilian steps up to you, even if he is, 50 pounds bigger than you, you know, you're running backwards and you're calling him the F word and you're going to press charges. It's just like, ah, that's kind of going against what you were expecting. Like, what did you expect? You thought that was all going to be hunky-dory? Like, oh, it's going to be like WWE and we're going to turn off the cameras and it's all good. Nah, like, you kind of have to go all steps in on that one. Like, once, once once the gauntlet's been laid down on... Um, calling uh, an entire country filthy animals, you're going to have to eat the repercussions with that. You know, like, remember when Chael Sonnen would, uh, would do this with, with, uh, with Brazil? He had, like, he had, like, Vanderlei Silva chasing him down at, at, uh, at nutrition conventions and all types of things. Like, they had to get into it on the, uh, the Ultimate Fighter where they're brawling off, off uh, on camera. You're going to take some lumps with that. Now, at least that's a little bit closer weight class-wise, but even still, like, if Fabricio Verdum is going to be the defender of his country, you're going to have to take that on too. Like, you're going to have probably have to go down swinging on that one, not running backwards with the camera, and also, you know, should probably watch the words a little bit more on that one. So, as much as Colby Covington was getting people behind him on um, being excited to see him possibly get a welterweight title shot, I feel like that steam's going to be let off a little bit with this one as he didn't go all in with it. And as regarding the welterweight title, we got an interesting twist that happened this week in Tyron Winley's possible next opponent. And uh, we'll talk about that next on Fighters Fury. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. So this week, there was a lot of news and notes coming out regarding UFC 219, their end-of-the-year card. Still in need of a main event. And the week started off interesting because we had the whole fallout from the Connor thing that went down in Ireland. And it was on the MMA Hour, Ariel Hawani show. And he had the ABC president on. And he was talking about that the UFC reached out after that incident that went down in Bellator last week. And for those who listen to this show and have somehow been under a rock, Conor McGregor, he hopped into the cage. He was celebrating with his teammate. Um, The referee, Mark Goddard, got into his face because he had technically not stopped the fight. And Conor and him have had a pass before. Conor goes, he shoves him. In the meanwhile, also slaps 
he was either a production uh, crew member or it was a it was somebody part of the commission with or maybe, I think it was somebody employed by Bellator. Slaps them. Um, bad bad stuff from Connor. And so this commissioner comes out and he says the UFC was in touch and that they were scheduled to have him on the UFC 219 card to defend his belt against Tony Ferguson. And so they said that they are suspending him and they're going to pull him from that card. Now, is that a play by the UFC to make it seem like they're punishing him? Maybe. But it also was a a sense of the UFC's probably trying to do Conor a solid here. Like, hey, we're going to at least make it seem like we're doing something here. And Conor's side came out and said, well, that's not true. He was never scheduled to, to be on that card in the first place. Because they want to make it seem like they're in charge, which, all right, but at this point, you want to make it seem like you're sorry and that something's actually happening here. Because if you're saying nothing's happening here, now something still there still needs to be repercussions for what went down in Ireland. When we talked about the difficulty of this last week. I don't know who really disciplines him here. Does it fall on the UFC? It's not going to fall on Bellator. They promoted the hell out of it. Um, is it going to be the commission? I guess. Um he doesn't fight in that jurisdiction very much. So I don't really know where they stand as far as punishment's concerned. Do they call up Vegas? Do they call up New York? Um, or do they work with the UFC to come to some sort of resolution? And so it seemed like the UFC was trying to do that, but it doesn't seem like Connor's side wanted to uh, cooperate with that because they want to make it seem like, oh, you don't have pull to do that, which, all right, but you kind of got to see what the play was there and it felt like they didn't or they didn't want to be part of that. I don't know. Um, You know, it it still remains undetermined. Either way, they threw out there that it was supposed to be the UFC 219 main event, Conor versus Tony Ferguson, which would have been awesome, but also probably unlikely that that was going to happen. I mean, that's not very long. That's, you know, five weeks away, six weeks away. It's, it's it's closing in. So then these rumors started coming out this week of Tyron Woodley versus Nate Diaz. And it may not make a lot of sense contendership-wise in the rankings because of, you know, you look at the, the, the path that's right there and you got Wonderboy at one. There's no shot they're doing Wonderboy versus Tyron Woodley. Uh, Robbie Lawler's up there. He's fighting Rafael Dos Anjos, and Dana has said whoever wins that is in gonna, going to be in line with the title shot. The aforementioned Colby Covington is third, which, you know, his win over Damian Maia, impressive. It's a, it's a big jump for him, but he, but, but I, like we said, Colby Covington was, was, um, very, very red hot after that with all the comments that got made, people would be into seeing him fight Tyron Woodley. There's also a pass there. But you look and you say, all right, where does Nate Diaz fall into all this? Nate Diaz is ranked in the lightweight considerations, but we know how this rolls with the UFC. They, um, if, it's, if it's worth a payday, if it's, uh, if it's something the fans would be into, they'll bypass all this stuff. We just saw it with GSP and Michael Bisping, and, you know, GSP came out on top. Now... I don't have a huge issue with Tyron Woodley getting this. You know, Tyron's been trying to get that out of the rankings payday for a while of of either it be against Connor, whether it be against GSP. And Tyron's taken on number one contenders now. He's been in fights with Damian Maya, Steven Thompson twice. He knocked out Robbie Lawler. 
you know, he's been he's been a champion that's held up that that gate for a while. So if he wants to color outside the lines a little bit here and Tyron Woodley wants to get a title shot or give a title shot to Nate Diaz, I really don't have an issue with it. I, I mean, I, I think every champions do one of these every once in a while, uh, a chance to to go off and, and do a little bit of what they want to do. And if it makes for a fun matchup, I think the fans will buy in. You know, Connor's gotten that opportunity. Um, Ronda got that up. Remember, Ronda got to fight Bechkoea, who was not near a contender, but basically was starting fights with her with her friends, and that's why they gave her the title shot. Um, you know, I I just I wouldn't have a huge issue with with Tyron getting this opportunity. He's defended his belt now three times, um, so I, I wouldn't have a big issue with Nate. Now, Nate getting the title shot is Nate worthy of a title shot? You know, probably not. He lost his last fight against Conor McGregor, but he's he's obviously a huge star. Um, he's been gone for a while, so there's a comeback element to it. So, from his standpoint, yeah, he probably doesn't deserve the title shot. Nowhere near it. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is at that point. I, I, as far as the matchup's concerned, I think it's it's a fun matchup, and, I, and, I, and I'd really be into it. And right now, um, if you're going to tell me I have the opportunity to see Tyron Woodley fight a Robbie Lawler again, my thing with that is, I don't know if, if, if you're Tyron, how much worse could you beat Robbie Lawler? And how much better could the shock value be with a Robbie Lawler fight? He knocked him out cold when he was looked upon as the most violent guy in the sport. The guy who would just go in there and go to war with you for five rounds. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you could get... I don't know if you could top uh, your Robbie Lawler win like you already had. I mean, you could, I guess, have a five-round, another five-round knockout classic with with Robbie Lawler. But if if you're if you're if you're Woodley, I can understand being a little bit lukewarm on that fight. Uh, Rafael dos Anjos, you know, he's new to the division. It's it's not like he's got a lot under his belt at welterweight. He's a former champion at 155. Um, you know how to. That had a pretty short reign. What did he defend it twice? Um, so, you know, I, I go either way on that. I'm not I'm not crazy on it. Darren Till's kind of new to the game. He obviously, I think, needs a couple more wins before he really uh, skyrocked into the title picture. Um, but his win over Cowboy, I think, has a lot of people buzzing on him. So, yeah, from my standpoint, you look at the top ten, I and mean, Carlos Condit's going to make a comeback, and and there's obviously that that their fight ended in controversy because, you know, Condit's knee kind of blew up on a takedown from from T Wood, so I can see that, but he's basically was retired, and and so I don't know. I think I think I think he needs some more time as well. So yeah, welterweight's a little bit of a mess. I don't think there's a real clear cut contender, so. I really don't have a big issue with it. Now, will it get agreed upon? That's the interesting thing. You know, Woodley's up there yesterday on Fox, and he's saying he signed his part of the contract. You know, Nate's uh, Nate's reached out to him, but he hasn't signed the paperwork yet. So, I don't know. If you're Nate Diaz and you are tired of waiting, you know, you've been waiting for the Connor fight, who knows when Connor's going to come back? You know, John Cavanaugh came out this week, and he says that, it could be at least until April before Connor returns. So if it's that long a wait, and you Nate Diaz, uh, Nate Diaz is uh, is tied up in some legal mess with his former management. Does he need the payday from the Connor fights? I don't know. 
So, but if you are Nate Diaz and you're going to come back and you end up winning the welterweight title, I mean, that's that's a pretty good leverage play for you when you get into these these talks of a third Conor fight. And you want to put some, some new emphasis on the Conor fight because I do feel like Nate Conor 3, it'll always have a little something because it's a rubber match and, and those are always a big deal to fans. But people really do want to see Conor versus Tony Ferguson. So Nate, I do think, needs a win to put him back in the forefront of fans' minds of saying, no, 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 you don't want to see Conor face Tony Ferguson. You want to see Conor versus Nate. And not only do you want to see that, then you have a champion versus champion discussion there. You know, they're doing this kind of with TJ and, and, and Demetrius Johnson of will that fight take place, champion versus champion, what a fight that would be. But this would be that on another level, champion versus champion, but it'd be, you know, Connor versus Nate, the trilogy fight. They both have gold around their waist. I don't know who the hell's belt gets to be on the line for that. Um, I guess that goes into the negotiations. Um, I guess it would depend on what Connor wants. But then again, you're dealing with the Diaz, so who knows? It, it could, uh, it could, it could be, it could be all swallowed up by whatever shenanigans he wants to pull in those negotiations as well. But I do think that Nate should agree to this fight. I, I, I do think that it would get people thinking, oh. Nate Diaz, yeah, like, we do want to see him. Is it a risk? Hell yeah, it's a risk. Like, you know, that's he's going in there, and he's going to be fighting a, a, a pure 170-er. He's not going to be fighting Conor McGregor up in weight. Um, it's not like Nate's small, so I don't feel like it's going to be looked upon where he's uh, he's going to be super outsized. But, you know, if Tyron, if Tyron blasts him and he wants to, if he wants to, to take him down, ragdoll him, like, you know, Woodley was able to get Wonderboy down, if I'm just looking matchup-wise. And Wonderboy, I think, gets you a little bit more hesitant with his striking because you're obviously looking for those devastating head kicks. You know, Nate wanted to keep that fight standing. You know, the two of them, you're going against probably the more skilled boxer to the more dynamic striker, um, looking to end it in one shot. But I think I think Woodley could also take him down and... and and definitely do some damage there. Could Nate come out with a weird submission on that point too? Yeah, maybe. But I, I, there's th- that the matchup intrigues me. Um, I can see why Woodley wants to do it, and I do think Nate should want to do it. I, I, I think that it could be a big benefit to him to getting this win under his belt and getting people remembering Nate Diaz again. Like the the fight fans' mind is very fickle, and it can wane very much. And I think. And I think for right now, you know, we've seen from whatever you want to take from it, polls, um, comments on social media, the fight people want to see Connor do right now is him versus Tony to unify the belts. But if Nate were to come back at UFC 219 and beat Tyron Woodley, then he's back on front of the line for a Connor fight. And does that mess up the lightweight division it could but then hear this one out okay if nate wins the 170 belt and connor wants to then do that fight that's that's the fight ufc wants to do if connor wanted to he could vacate the 155 title and then go try and win the 170 belt from nate diaz and so if he ends up beating Nate Diaz, 
He's now a three-division champion, something that's never been done. And if Connor wanted to, then all of a sudden you got the George St. Pierre fight out there looming. Because this this talk of George St. Pierre going around 155 is crazy. But if Nate beats Tyron, wins the 170 belt, Connor drops the 155 belt, Tony's good to do whatever the hell he wants to do. They go do the money fight, Nate versus Connor for the 170 belt. If Connor ends up beating him, then he goes to fight GSP for the 170 title. And even if Nate wins, you got the background of of GSP versus Nick Diaz from the past. So now you got a little bit of a storyline there. He could go fight GSP for the 170 belt. So, and this is all prevalent on them beating Tyron Woodley, which is no easy feat either. But I would like I would like to see the dominoes fall from that fight very much, you know. And then look, if Tyron goes out and he blasts and beats Nate Diaz, then he's beat a very popular fighter. I think it'd be a, a heavily bought fight, and I think Tyron could have his stage to call out GSP, not just from the sidelines, but be in the ring and and say, "This is what you want for your comeback fight. Come and 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 win the belt and." the division like he could say if you don't uh you're relinquishing your right to call yourself the greatest worldwide champion i don't know what the way he goes but you know it's very important to tyron he's talked about that legacy of being regarded as the best welterweight of all time and i think that high profile win for him would also benefit but i do think the interesting dynamic would be nate beats t wood wins with 170 wins the 170 strap connor Drops the 155 belt. Tony becomes undisputed champion. Goes to fight for the 170 belt. Sees if he wins it. And then you have Connor versus GSP possibly down the line for that belt if he beats Nate. That's some big bucks right there. Crazy. Speaking of big bucks, heavyweight division. We get some updates on the boxing heavyweight division. Shenanigans going on in that place as there always is. Next. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you as we'll take you up until around 10 o'clock. Got the Aqua and Orange pregame show coming up after us. As Greg Likens, DJ Williams, they will get you all set for Dolphins and Buccaneers. You know, if you want to be set for that, looking forward to a fun Sunday. Fitzy versus Cutler. Down at the Rock. It doesn't quite feel like it's going to have the atmosphere of the last few Canes games, but we'll see. We'll see. So, you know we've been watching this heavyweight division. We always keep it very, uh, we keep our eye on it and what's going down. It's a lot of good drama that's going on with this heavyweight division. Feels like there has been for a lot of years. You know, the resurgence of the heavyweight division, especially, especially in London, uh, has been huge. The UK fans are crazy. There's, you know, they can fill up soccer arenas to go watch their fighters, which is something that's really cool to see. I think it's also been awesome to see uh, this dance that's been going on between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Deontay Wilder put forth just a mauling of uh, Berman Stavern in his last fight. You, you know, he was going for, I don't know what he was going for. It was bad intentions, what 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 Deontay Wilder was trying to do to Stavern in that fight. And really trying to make his mark, and he did. It was it was great to see. And I thought that it was good for, for Deontay to get that because... He had certainly been losing that battle for a long time. You know, Anthony Joshua had the real signature win. He beat Vladimir Klitschko in an all-time classic fight. 
Um, Anthony Joshua was the huge fan base behind him. The the British fans just embraced their guys a little bit better. And so it was tough to argue that Deontay should really be in that picture with Anthony Joshua. But I do feel like it's dried up a little bit for Anthony. You know, his last fight against Carlos Takam, no disrespect to Carlos Takam, who put off who put forth a real gutsy effort against him. Uh Anthony wasn't very impressive, I guess you could say. Like he dominated the win. But I think people were probably looking to, f- to see him go out there with Tullis, Tullis to come, blast him. And in a lot of people's eyes, beat him, and the fight got stopped in the 10th round. But the just the, the justification for it wasn't great. So it's it's funny. Like, you're almost as good as your last fight. And now a lot of fans are on the side of, hey, look. Look what Deontay just did to a guy who he went the distance with initially, but clearly was not in the best shape, and he blasted him, his last-minute opponent. They were almost on parallel tracks because Deontay was supposed to fight Luis Ortiz, who got caught up in testing. He's cleared now. He's not going to be suspended. But he was supposed to take him on, and instead he had to take on a last-minute opponent, a guy he didn't want to fight, but beat him in as dominant a fashion as you can. And... In Anthony Joshua's case, AJ's case, he beat a guy, you know, who was tough to knock out. It was a tough fight trajectory-wise because he was fighting a guy he was way bigger than. um, And definitely was cleaning him up. But I think people were looking to see him put him on the canvas a little bit more. Put him on the canvas once. And I don't think people were happy with the stoppage. And these two, I think, are going to fight. But I do think it's going to be put off. I think the promoters want to put heat on this a little bit more, a la Triple G versus Canelo. I think they want to see these guys in there one more time, get people jonesing a little bit about it more, people talking about the chase a little bit more. And so I think you're going to see Deontay Wilder. Now, he mentioned this week um, that he wants to fight Luis Ortiz again, or fight him he wants to fight him. He doesn't want to fight him again. He wants to try and fight him again. He wants to fight Luis Ortiz again. Um, and I would love to see that fight. I think we all wanted to see that fight. We were bummed that it didn't get to happen. Um, Anthony Joshua, I think he's going to end up fighting Jarrell Miller next. I, I feel like his promoters talked to him about him a, a little bit more, uh, a lot. Um, I know some people are talking about Joe Parker. I think Joe Parker is going to be way down the line. Um, I, I don't feel like that's going to be the warm-up fight for or quote-unquote warm-up fight for Anthony Joshua. I think Jarrell Miller, great personality, um, got a win under Eddie Hearn's promotions this past week on HBO. I think that's going to be the end up being the play for AJ. He's going to fight Jarrell Miller. And Deontay's got a couple of options out there. He could go fight at Luis Ortiz. If you want to call that a warm-up fight, that's a tough fight. Um, so... That could really end, I think, a lot of naysayers on Deontay if he goes out and he beats Luis Ortiz. And if not, it could end up being Dylan White, who um, who Eddie Hearn has linked before. Says, hey, I want you to fight this guy first, and then you get the AJ fight. Could it be that that fight's going to be in London? You introduce Deontay. Or do you do Deontay versus Luis Ortiz um, on, on a Showtime card? and maybe do AJ. Maybe it's like a co-feature. They do one broadcast from London, one broadcast from America. Who knows? 
But I, I do think we're going to get one more fight before those guys eventually do face off. But I do think that fight is going to happen. Um, we saw, interestingly enough, this week, Tyson Fury is back in the in the gym. There was uh, videos of him hitting mitts, hitting noodles, as the former lineal heavyweight champion of the world who beat Vladimir Klitschko is back training. He is still suspended. I mean, this this also can't be forgotten. It's not like Tyson Fury is just gone and he can't fight, uh, or or he chooses not to fight. He can't fight yet. He is he is he is he is stripped of a license, so he needs to get reinstated before he's allowed to be back in action. Um, so, interestingly enough, locally tying this in, uh, he put up a Twitter poll this past week, and Tyson Fury asked on Twitter. Who should be my next victim? Because before Tyson Fury really jumps into this whole love triangle of Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, and Tyson Fury, the former champion, um, and both of them have had a, a bit of a pass. You know, Tyson has, has egged on AJ for a long time. Uh, AJ and Deontay had an awesome, awesome ring, ring interaction after a fight where uh, Deontay, uh, or actually, I think it was Tyson Fury who stormed the cage on Deontay. Storm the cage, storm the ring on Deontay, and they had a really good interaction. I thought that the that fight was going to end up happening. So, you know, Tyson Fury wants to be back in this picture, but he hasn't fought since 2015. It's been a long time. May of 2015 was when um, was when he last fought. It's been a it's been a long time for for Tyson Fury. So, this idea that he's going to hop back in there with the absolute elite guys who have been in action, who have who have stayed very active, it's tough to believe. You want you would you would imagine that Tyson Fury wants to get himself what he thinks is a warm up fight. So he put in for his return fight, and this has been brewing for a while. Who should be my next victim? And there was some matchup on top of the winner uh, for the WBA vacant title. Um, there was David Price, who's a who's a uh, a longtime local rival of Tyson Fury's. There was Alexander Povetkin, who has had his own issues with drug testing. He was also supposed to fight, supposed to fight Deontay Wilder. And then there was Shannon the Cannon Briggs, and those guys have had uh, back and forths on social media. And you know, Shannon just got clear this week of suspension from his testosterone uh, elevation because he was supposed to fight. Frezikendo at the Hard Rock last May, and he popped for having testosterone. I think it was at a four to one or eight to one ratio. Um, but te- but 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 popped on the test, so he was suspended for six months. That suspension's up, and so Tyson Fury got like seventy five thousand votes on this Twitter poll of who should be his next victim. Uh, you know, and. The fans came back and they said they want to they want to see him fight Shannon Briggs. Shannon Briggs is wildly popular in London. He is a he's the most dynamic out of any of these personalities. You know the fight promotion between him is going to be amazing. Um, if you're Tyson Fury, you look at that matchup and you say, you know, here's a guy who is built for at the most four rounds. Um, and so he looks at that matchup and thinks, all right, I could dance around this guy for a little bit and, and Shannon will tire. Shannon probably looks at that matchup and he says, look at that soft-ass body. Look at it. Like, if you're Shannon Briggs and you see Tyson Fury 
trying to trim down from his 400 pounds or whatever the hell he is, and you see that big old belly, and you're the body puncher that Briggs is, that's like a dog and a pork chop, man. That that has got to be enticing. So it's a fun fight. Like you know, that can't be denied. Out of the four matchups of those guys, you know, I know David Price got a lot of support from the the local fans over the uh, across the pond, but you know, th- this is multiple polls now where we've seen Briggs come out on top of of uh, boxing sites. You know, good social media accounts. People want to see this fight. This is this this fight has legs. People want to see. Briggs and Fury. I mean, they're 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 almost so crazy. They're meant for each other. You know what I mean? It's so much crazy being put into a ring in a fight promotion. How could it not turn out to be awesome? So that was an interesting one. Couple other notes before we get out of here. Um, Oscar De La Hoya. He says that he's not going to chase Conor McGregor. There was news this week that he is. Uh, he wanted to come out. He's been secretly training for a Conor McGregor fight. And that he'd KO him in two rounds. Now, mind you, this is the guy who got, in his last fight, pieced up by Manny Pacquiao, who's half his size, and was beaten four rounds. But he's been secretly training, and he says that he'd beat Conor in two rounds. I'm not even saying that he couldn't beat Conor McGregor in a decision, but two rounds? I mean, I would have a... I got a hard time believing... Oscar De La Hoya is going to throw all his style to the... He's just going to come out haymaking on Conor McGregor. Uh, either way, he says he's not going to go on some chase for this fight. That he is going to... Uh, he's going to lay the challenge out there. Is what it is. He also says that the Triple G Canelo matchup is definitely going to happen. Looks like May of 2018. Uh, finally, before we get out of here. Next week, Shanghai. You got Michael Bisbing. He is returning to the ring. Just a few weeks time. He's taking on Kelvin Gastelum. I'm a little worried about this matchup because it's such a short turnaround for Michael Bisbing, but let's not forget the biggest win of Michael Bisbing's career came on very short notice, knocking out Luke Rockhold. Now, it's a little different because he wasn't just coming out of the cage. He was off shooting, uh, I think, triple X whatever. So it's it's got a different tweak there. He says he's healthy. Um I do think that there is a size issue there with Kelvin. Kel- he's a lot bigger than Kelvin. I guess you could call Kelvin almost a poor man's GSP. You know, is de- definitely super talented. He won the Ultimate Fighter, but definitely doesn't have the accolades and has had some discipline issues. So he's not quite in that range, but it's it's almost a similar matchup. Like you're not you're not changing a lot there. Good striker, good wrestler, great cardio. Um, but I got a man. I got a hard time believing he's going to have that quick a turnaround. But then, could you imagine GSP going that bad run? Um, you know what? I'm going to go with Bisbing. I think Bisbing is going to win that fight. I, something, something about it. he's so sure of it. Almost, it's not like he had a poor performance against GSP. Uh, I'm going to go with him over Kelvin uh, to get the win in Shanghai. We'll talk about that fight next week. Everybody have a lovely Thanksgiving and have a great, great, great week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.